welcome to our KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast Series, delivering fresh insights and perspectives around major accounting and financial reporting developments on ESG reporting. We thank you for joining today. Hi, everyone. My name is Bryce Erhard, and I'm a managing director in KPMG's Department of Professional Practice, where I focus on helping companies prepare for U.S. and international ESG reporting developments. For the past couple of months, we've been giving you these very quick hit reporting updates about developments in the U.S., EU, and internationally. And last month, we spent most of our time discussing what's happening in the EU's recent public consultation on their near final drafts of their European sustainability reporting standards. Today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna focus on another milestone, and, and this one's honestly a big one. We have the launch of the first two IFRS sustainability disclosure standards. Now, one of the key themes of this podcast that we've been really focusing on is why U.S. companies should really care about non-U.S. ESG reporting developments. And this is the angle we wanna take today when discussing this big milestone. And I've brought in reinforcements to dive into this with me. I'm joined by Maura Hodge, KPMG's ESG audit leader, and also Julie Santoro, a partner in KPMG's Department of Professional Practice that leads our ESG activities here. Now, before diving into the ISSB news, let me give you a quick update on what's happening in the EU. So earlier this month, the EU's public consultation period, it closed on that first batch of their sustainability reporting standards. And now what's happening is the EU is really working through the public responses to that consultation, and they appear to be aiming to adopt these final standards by the end of July or so, really in order to allow them to get them ready for that earliest effective date, which is the beginning of the new year. And in a future podcast, we'll dive into the anticipated timing for those and additional reporting standards in the EU, uh, but we're not there yet. Okay, so let's move on to our topic for today, the recent ISSB developments. Julie, can you help us get started here? And firstly, level set our knowledge about the ISSB. And secondly, tell us why this moment is so important. Yeah, Bryce, so if we level set, these are the real basics that everybody needs to know. There were two standards issued. They were issued at the end of June. This was a very large effort by the International Sustainability Standards Board or the ISSB and really a momentous occasion. They put out two standards. We've got the general requirements standard and then we've got the first topic standard, which is climate. So I think if I stand back and have a look at those two standards, I think before they were issued, we were really all focused on the individual requirements. And there was a lot of talk about what would be in there, um, GHG emissions, what kind of materiality analysis was required. But now that they're actually out, if I stand back and I look at them holistically, I see that they're actually more complex than many people I think expected. We're not going to talk about that now, but we'll certainly come back to that in future sessions. So the two standards are out and the next step is country adoption. So while we wait for IOSCO to give its recommendation about adoption of the standards, individual countries have already started to move. So for example, Singapore has already announced that it will mandate the ISSB standards from 2025. So as we watch that though, one thing is very clear. 
The ISSB doesn't mandate compliance. That really depends on what individual countries and jurisdictions do. So right now, as we sit here in the US, unless you have to do the reporting for group purposes, so you're a US subsidiary reporting into your EU parent, they're actually not directly applicable in the US price, which I guess brings us to back to today's topic. Thanks, Julie. Okay, so Maura, let's pull you into this conversation. We've talked about how regulators are asking for this information. Who else may be asking for this information? Well, Bryce, before I answer your question directly, one thing that I want to highlight is the idea that we've talked about how the SEC may or may not include scope three reporting in the climate proposal. But what you need to remember is that both the ISSB and the EU rules will require scope three. And that's really the point that I want to make here. Scope three requires disclosure from within your value chain. So you need to go to your customers and to your suppliers and collect information, aggregate it and report it as your own. And so even if you're not required to report under ISSB, there's a high likelihood that you're going to be receiving requests from your customers and your suppliers for your information. So just as a simple example, if we take an automobile maker, they're taking parts from all sorts of different companies for the steering wheel, for the leather that goes on the seats, for the tires. The companies that are producing those parts will need to have their scope one and two greenhouse gases calculated, and then we'll have to report that into their customers and suppliers that are asking. And so there are actually two pieces to that as well. First is the disclosure and the transparency of the information they need to provide. But secondly, also likely assurance over that information. Because when someone is asking you for that data, that will ultimately have to have it assured. They need to be able to show that trail from behind where they got the information from and how they got comfortable with it. So. Like I said, it is not just the regulators that are asking for this information, but it's just going to become a cost of doing business. Thanks, Maura. I think that's such an important point. For US companies, you shouldn't just think about being pulled into the ISSB reporting from a regulator or a parent. There are these other stakeholders to be thinking about. So Julie, you know, without waiting to be asked by a regulator or someone in your value chain to do this reporting, what are some other reasons to start thinking about these requirements? Well, Bryce, I actually think that there's one really big sleeper issue out there that really we haven't been talking about enough. And that is that the CDP has announced that it will incorporate the climate standard, the ISSB's climate standard into its global environmental disclosure platform. So I think this is a really big deal if we think about how many US companies actually do CDP questionnaires and submit them. We don't know yet exactly what that's going to look like. So we don't see the questionnaire yet with the climate standard incorporated, but that we know it's coming. So we know that if you're a US company, doing a CDP questionnaire, you need to watch out for that. CDP has, a, has announced that this is going to start from the 2024 disclosure cycle. So really, that is, a, that is an indicator that companies should start looking at this now and get prepared if they want to be able to answer some of these questions in their questionnaire. 
That's such an important point, Julie. So we're basically saying that there, the spectrum of companies in the U.S. are going to have to comply with some element of ISSB reporting continues to expand. And that's really a great segue into this general topic and very important topic about interoperability within the ESG reporting landscape. So more coming back to you and looking at these three distinct regimes that we talk about a lot in this podcast series, what's happening in the SEC, the EU, and internationally with the ISSB, how similar do you actually think they're going to end up? Yeah, Bryce, I love talking about interoperability because on its surface, it sounds like it's going to be such an easy process. You just kind of get everything to align. You have a global baseline, you add on top of it, and you're done. But of course, when we dig down deeper, we find a lot of different complexities. And so some of the areas that we are monitoring to see if interoperability will actually come to fruition are, first of all, the definitions of financial materiality. Um, making sure that ESRS 1, the general EU standard requirements, and the application guidance around that um, are aligned with ISSB, and ultimately any conflicting requirements around topical standards um, need to be eliminated. Um, some of the other areas we're watching are the different reliefs that are being offered under the standards, the phase-in timings certain restrictive presentation requirements that could lead to duplication in reporting. So one jurisdiction may require a standalone report, whereas another jurisdiction says that it needs to be built into an annual report. So making sure that there's some alignment there. And then ultimately differences in definitions and language that's used within the different standards and frameworks. I think Overall, though, the standard setters recognize and preparers recognize that the landscape continues to evolve. And so even if we get to a point today where we have some interoperability, we need to continue to monitor all of those changes. So one thing that the standard setters really need to be thinking about is how do you leave enough flexibility in the standards so that you can have interoperability? without allowing it or making it so vague that a preparer can't implement it. So I think that there is a lot of work to be done, but yet um, I still have a lot of hope that at a high level, we are moving towards alignment. And then as we get into the details, we'll be able to see where the baseline is and companies can build off of that. Thanks, Maura. So Julie, looking into your own crystal ball, do you think we're actually going to land in a world with three separate major frameworks here, similar to the financial reporting world, where we kind of have IFRS financial reporting and then U.S. GAAP financial reporting? Bryce, I'll just say at the outset that um, I don't think that that is where we're going to land eventually. I am hugely positive that all of the um, kind of learnings from the financial reporting landscape, there's a lot that's been learned and can build on and make different decisions. If I just have a look at what's happening to the ISSB, I see organizations really corralling behind their effort. So when the ISSB was first formed at the end of 2021, we saw the SASB, we saw the integrated reporting framework, and we saw the Climate Disclosure Standards Board all come and put their weight and basically merge into the ISSB. If we fast forward to where we are now, 
we have the first two standards out and we look at the latest news, we see that the World Economic Forum has entered into a partnership with the ISSB. There's going to be a new group formed to provide insights and practical examples that the board can use. And we've just seen that the TCFD, who we've talked about many, many times as really being the inspiration behind many of the ESG reporting standards we're seeing, they're now going to be winding down their operations and the ISSB is going to take over the monitoring from 2024. We also have the partnership agreement with the Global Reporting Initiative or the GRI to kind of work together. These are all really positive signs going forward. So I think the biggest question now comes back to what Maura was talking about interoperability. But I think all the signs are positive, And I think that eventually um, we are going to get there. So Bryce, two words, um, hopeful and positive from my perspective. Thanks, Julie. I really love your sense of optimism. I hope our US listeners are starting to get a sense that now is the time to begin familiarizing yourself with these first two new ISSB standards. For the past several months, when I'm talking to US companies, they've been laser focused on the CSRD and its applicability to them. Now though, it's important to take some time and understand where these new standards may be applicable and then begin game planning how to incorporate this exposure into your broader ESG reporting program. Maura, how do you see people actually trying to incorporate the ISSB standards into their program? I think that there is a bit of overwhelm, of course, but Julie's positivity and optimism, I think, needs to be brought into this next practical steps that companies can be taking. So the first thing that we are recommending clients to do is to look at their reporting strategy or at least set a reporting strategy. And that all begins with performing a materiality assessment. So understanding what the ISSB standards are requiring for materiality and then understanding how and if there's incremental information or topics that need to be added as a result of the EU CSRD requirements. Once you've identified that list of topics, then it's really important to drill down into the specific metrics that you're going to report on. This is where the data collection, the process, the controls really come into play and where there is often a lot of challenge. Once you have those two things established, then you can start to dig in, perform a gap assessment and identify where your greatest challenges are, whether you're missing information, whether you just need to implement better controls, whether you need some training around the ways that the information is coming together or even the reason why people are collecting the data in the first place. Taking this process and steps that are tangible and um, reasonable will really help increase the efficiency and the effectiveness of your reporting and hopefully insert some of that positivity into your approach going forward. Thanks, Maura. I really love how you helped take us from a news update on what's happening with the ISSB to some practical steps that companies can take for digesting that information. So that's a wrap from us this month. The next milestone we're really waiting for is the EU's publication of that first batch of ESG reporting standards. And we'll be back with you shortly after that. All that leaves me to say is thanks for listening. Thanks to Julia Mora for joining us. And we really look forward to welcome you on our next episode. Thank you for listening to this KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast. 
For more in-depth ESG-related financial reporting developments, analysis, and podcast episodes, type into your browser, visit.kpmg.us forward slash ESG reporting, and be sure to subscribe today.